Uh, welcome to the GrassFed Exchange Hallway Conversations. At the GrassFed Exchange, this is our mission, to humbly exchange knowledge of the gifts we are given to awaken the health of both land and people. So these conversations enable us to continue our mission, um, despite the fact that we can't always be together right now. So the next GrassFed Exchange uh, conference is to be held on May the 18th to the 20th, 2022 in Fort Worth. And the theme of this year's conference is Rooted in Wisdom. So I'm Nicole Masters. I'm a board member of the Grassfield Exchange. Um, I'm an agroecologist and I'm incredibly passionate about this topic that we're gonna dig into with two of my favorite people. So Julie James Ott, some of you may, know, may have heard of the James Ranch down in Durango, Colorado, and Megan Lannan, who um, is in Paradise Valley, Montana. Um, both of them are with their families. And this is the theme of this topic today is um, how do we really regenerate that next generation? Um, I'll let these guys um, speak for themselves, but I'll just take a minute to, the, the first time I, I met Megan was actually through her daughter, Malloy, who was 12 years old at the time and um, contacted me because she'd been told by um, an adult that, uh, animal health has nothing to do with soil health. And she felt quite indignant about that. So she contacted myself, uh, Gabe Brown and Joel Salatin and asked us for quotes for a coloring and book that she was doing for the little kids. And uh, that was my first inclination that there's something pretty exciting happening um, at Megan's household. So Megan, I'll, I'll let you take over and then I will um, introduce Julie. So I'd love to hear more about your story. Okay. so. I'm Megan Lannan, and I own and operate with my husband a regenerative grazing operation called Barney Creek Livestock. And we run and graze our cows on several leases in the Paradise Valley, which is right up to the gateway to Yellowstone. So we're in a, a fantastic ecosystem uh, that we are so excited to always give more back to the land than we take. Uh, we have two kids, Malloy, uh, who Malloy just, or Nicole just spoke about and she's 14 and she created a coloring book and used those, well, she still does, sells those and uses those proceeds to buy more sheep. And so she read Gay Brown's book and decided that we needed more animal diversity. So she's now a shepherdess. And then Liam uh, is 12 and he is our worm rancher and he uh, grows or raises, I don't even know how to say that really, Nicole, but uh produces vermicast with worms in his closet <laughs> and sells <laughs> oh we appear to be losing megan um megan if you can hold fast what what we'll do is i'll let julie speak and um we might have to get you to turn your video off at the farmer's market so yeah uh, uh, you, you dropped out, unfortunately, Megan. Um, so, uh, yeah, we might have to go without video, which is, oh, that man, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, can you still speak, Megan? Can we hear you? Yes. So I was just wrapping up with, um, Liam is the worm rancher, um, and sells his vermicast, uh, which Nicole helped him come up with the idea in tea bags. So houseplant folks can have awesome worm tea their houseplants and then my husband Pete uh, we just run like crazy as soon as the grass starts growing and until until it's done so that's me 
Fantastic. Well, I don't think it is actually just you, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Julie, Julie, I think um, the first time I came across your ranch, I met one of your brothers and just so inspired by how is it you've solved some of these issues to do with succession, um, you know, and having multiple generations back on the ranch and having multiple enterprises. Um, I think it's one of the most inspiring stories. So I'd love to hear more about your particular ranch and then let's dig into it. Thank you, Nicole. It's actually awesome to be here and I love sharing our story. Um, our, our story starts with my parents who came from Southern California and wanted to leave uh, that city life and raise a big family on a big piece of land. And so they looked all over the West and found a little valley in Durango, Colorado that it's called the Animus Valley, just north of Durango. And they were able to, through my grandfather, um, purchase some property and raise a big family. They didn't really know what they were doing agriculturally. Uh, they were pretty much city kids, but they had this passion and dream and they floundered and they, they had great successes and, and big failures in the meantime. And um, in the meantime, they had five children. And so present day, there's a lot of history between then and now, um, but present day of the five of us, four of us are on the ranch with our families. And the fifth brother actually lives in Durango and has a business in Durango and is very much a part of the decision-making that goes on the ranch. The ranch is about, is about 400 acres in Irrigated Valley. So we have a lot of water to grow a lot of great grass. Um, we came across holistic management 30 years ago and that's basically what changed everything about decision-making and who was to be at the table with those decisions and could we make it in, in agriculture? Um, and so that, those tools enabled us to continually to be inspired and hopeful that we could gather as a family and make decisions. And, and, then, and it's just been progressing ever since. I was the first one back with my husband and, and then more siblings came and with, the, with the idea that quality of life is the most important thing in life. And so we asked those hard questions first before we decided what we were gonna produce and how we were gonna keep the land um, uh, vital, we needed to make sure that the people were vital. That was the biggest lesson we learned when we first learned about holistic management. And so now we have consistent family meetings and we work hard on communication. The production side of things, we have a, a great grass-fed and finished beef operation. We have a pastured pork operation. We have laying hens out in the fields. We have a tree farm. We have a garden. We have orchards. We have fruit. We have a dairy. Uh, my brother makes amazing raw milk cheeses and also has a herd share program for his liquid milk. And then the last sibling that came home is my sister and her husband. And they had uh, the great idea to figure out a way to cook that burger and put my brother's cheese on it and get a local bakery to make a bun. And they started small with a little food cart and nine summers later and a whole lot of work, um, we have 
we decided to build a big building that has the restaurant in it. It's a year round restaurant before it was a food cart. So we were very seasonal, which had a lot of problems involved with that. And then we also had a little small market that we walled in a carport in the building where my brother makes his cheese and we just sold James Ranch products out of that market. And so with our new building, we increased our market size times four. And not only do we sell anything and everything we can produce on the James Ranch, we also represent, I think I did a quick count about 18 other farmers and producers in our area, um, as well as local artisans and um, just other products that we really feel have the, the quality that we want to encourage in regenerative agriculture. So um, that's kind of the thumbnail of where we are today. It's, it's exploded and we're very, very busy, but also very encouraged by the attention that, that this little place is getting. Wow. You know, and what I'm hearing is like, we think of so much in agriculture is actually shrinking. You know, the average age of ranches is going up and there's less and less, um, you know, it's interesting to be out here in landscapes and, and all that people are doing is cow, cow calf operations. And that just seems to be what ranching does. And you guys have really shifted that paradigm. I just wanna make a note, if you are joining us on Facebook Live or uh, Zoom, please ask questions, um, ask questions of these amazing ladies and we will dig into that. Um, what I'm hearing is a lot of work. So like for both of you, how is it that we can um, not turn our kids into like little mini slaves? How is it that we keep them inspired around um, all of this activity? Well, um, I've actually really thought about the whole chore model. And uh, I think that, you know, we spend so much time um, thinking about how we're growing things on the ranch that we a lot of us, I should say, don't really think about how we're growing this next generation or how we're growing them into stewards of the land, but also um, running their operations as a business. So I think for us, that's where it really started was um, these chores must mean more to them than um, just a, an activity of, of getting something done before and after school. So we really took them through the numbers um, and we did a lot of ranching for profit type stuff. Um, they know their gross margins on their business. Um, they, they know what they're, what they're spending and what they're making. And uh, I think for both of them, they're, they're really learning that, you know, a lot about inputs. My kids talk more about inputs um, than I think your average 12 and 14 year old. Uh, but I think just really having those conversations and encouraging innovation and um, thinking about, you know, that how to have a conversation with someone when you go to approach them for a lease, like they do all that. Um, Malloy moved her sheep every day last summer. I dropped her off and I sat in the car because I'm not doing that. I'm the 4-H parent in the barn. It's like, well, go take care of your animals. I'll see you in an hour. Because I'm not doing that. This is your you know, you have to be proud of this. So that's really where, where I'm at now. But I, I think, Julie, what I think is interesting is you have probably went through the same phase, but now look at where your kids are right now and, and what are they doing for you guys and, and on their own. Yeah. Um, 
my husband just distracted me. <laughs> and so now I lost, uh, can you ask me that again, Megan? Yeah, I was just thinking, so, you know, you, you know, we're really raising, you know, our kids here, how to really ranch as a business, but ranch holistically and, and all the things um, that you mentioned in your intro too, but you've moved through 12 years and 14 years old, and now your kids are young adults and back on the ranch um, and they wanted to come back. And why is that? And what are they doing now? Right. Thank you for re-asking that. Um, what I, I feel like one of the most powerful tools that we learned with holistic management was the importance of everybody, everybody's thought, everybody's approach, because we are all different. And so when we had family meetings and we we're talking about what we want from the ranch, uh, everybody was at that table, including the children. And so they were able to uh, see the adults validating each other's approaches and backgrounds and talents and they were empowered to do the same and that was it's extremely fun because when you have a like your children when you have an eight-year-old who wants to sell fish in the market when he goes fishing on the ranch and we can empower him to do that it it gives him self-esteem and and confidence and and then that just kind of moves into this whole other realm of, of um, you know, self-worth. And that's, that's, I think the biggest thing in life is, is feeling like you have a purpose and that you, you are important. And, um, and I have to say, Megan, Megan when we spoke, um, it was really fun to, to have that conversation because it solidified in me a point that I hadn't really thought through, but getting ego out of the way, especially adults, is so important. Not only, I mean, kind of with ourselves as well, but with our spouses, with our brothers and sisters, with our neighbors and with our children. We, we have to be humble to know that we don't have all the answers. Nature has a lot of answers. Let's listen to nature. And so I, I saw that in my parents um, welcoming their adult children and their adult spouses back, um, being humble and to sit at the table and hear what somebody else has to say that could have a completely different background. So I think that just that empowering of kids are, we have three boys and they're 28, 25 and 22 soon. And so, yeah, they are out of that stage of, that cute teenage time of anything goes. I mean, we have pictures of our son trying to peddle garden snakes up on the highway, a sign that said snakes for sale. I mean, just it's a precious time of year of, 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 of their time and your time parenting them, but it keeps going if they've never been told they can't do something. And that's, that's really fun to watch. Nicole brought up a good point um, earlier about resiliency. And do you think, what does resilient mean to you in terms of when you're raising, how, how far you've raised your kids into, do you, what, you, what do you think attributed to their resiliency and, and coming, growing up on a ranch and coming off a ranch? 
chores. <laughs> I mean, what about you? I, I bet you, uh, you might have the same answer. I think when you are responsible and you have to do things to, uh, you know, care for living animals. And if you don't care for them, they don't get cared for. Um, I know we homeschooled the boys until they were in high school and for them to witness as your children, if you, you've described when they witness what it takes to run a household, to have meals on the table, to clean up after that, um, that things don't just happen automatically if you don't make it happen and that your parents are, are human as well. And so there's just this underlying foundation of resiliency and reality um, that you can build on when you're raising kids on the land. But you don't even have to raise them on the land. You, I mean, yeah. chores are across the board and, and validating who they are is across the board. You can be in a big city and instill this kind of thing. It's mostly just, I, in my opinion, um, you know, honoring who they are and listening well and getting ego out of the way so yeah. that they can bloom into who they need to be. Um, I, I was wondering about um, mistakes. You know, when our kids make mistakes, how we, how we get them through making those mistakes. I see, uh, we always have a lot of conversations about mistakes because you know you cannot ranch without having a wreck or farm without having a wreck and how to innovate through that wreck and how to come up with something better. Do you have any good stories about your kids um, learning from a mistake? <laughs> I, think, I think you should share one of your good stories. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good one. I'm, um, I, I think just this, well, Nicole can note was in on this one, but Malloy was going to hold back three U's so she could start breeding and, and her own lambs. And uh, she just struggled all summer about which ewes she was gonna keep. And it was, it was a daily conversation. And uh, she calls on the phone. Uh, I dropped her off so she could move her sheep and she calls and she's just bawling. She is a mess. I'm like, what, did, what happened? She's like, I'm such an idiot. I'm such an idiot. I'm like, you're not an idiot. What happened? One of my one of my use is a ram lamb. <laughs> She's like, I kept that one, and I was convinced that she was just a wreck. And I said, Hey, you know, that I thought it was awesome. She was so afraid to tell her dad. I was like, If we all make mistakes, and so now what are you gonna do? Well, I guess I have one more to sell. I said, That's right. You know, like you gotta work through. Uh, you know, and she's thinking about the money and now she's going to have less lambs. And she was just like, I could see the wheels are turning, but that's just the most recent one, I think. That's a good one. And what I heard in that too, Megan, is, is you're, you were immediately willing to forgive and let her experience that mistake. She already had um, self-evaluated or whatever um, and was already beating herself up. So any any negative reinforcement from the parents wouldn't have helped. And that's, I think a big part of this too. And it, and it goes with the adults we work with too, is, um, you know, forgiveness when things go wrong, cause they do, <laughs> they definitely do. And we make big mistakes too, as adults. 
Uh, really big mistakes. And the There's a question here from Rochelle Armstrong who says, you guys have amazing stories. My 11 year old loves soil science and the idea of running her own business, but she doesn't stick to one thing for long. Do you have any challenges with this or ways of keeping them on one thing at a time? It's a really good question. Um, I think most 11 year olds are gonna probably, my, my 20 year old is still doing this. Um, yeah. I, I know adults that still do that, but yeah. How, how do you guys um, work with that? I, I think for Malloy, um, and I'm not sure where you're at, but there was a farm to school program. And uh, she goes and, and talks about soil science with those kindergartners and first graders. And I think we forget, you know, when you're, when you're 11 and you're talking to a five-year-old, that is like magic. That is a big kid. And mm. Malloy talks all about, you know, she holds her hand open and she gets a teaspoon and puts the soil in, talks about how many, you know, how it's living. And she gets them to think about the ocean and how the ocean is living. And that's how it is, you know, soil is. And, and uh, the teachers love it. And um, you put your address in the, in the chat and I will send you one of Malloy's coloring books and your 11 year old can just take that to school and start presenting that all over the place and, and maybe make coloring pages of their own and uh, just start being an advocate for soil in the school system. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, the other thing, we have a son that has had so many interests and we tease him now because he's an adult and he can take the tease, but oh my gosh, he bounced around so much. And now he has a foundation of knowledge that is taking him where he really wants to go. So we have to trust that process. Even if we think, oh my gosh, they're, they're in and out of that already. Well, they grabbed something from that um, wherever their interest was and that led them somewhere else. And we have to, I think, trust that process and, um, and not get too exhausted by the messes that are made along the way because, oh wow, there's you know experiments and books you buy that they read for just a second and then and then they're they're finished with it and um so I, I i think that that's a process of children growing up is just um catching all that they can there's a lot to learn out there yeah, yeah. i think it comes down to trust doesn't it like trusting our kids and where, wherever they go and i think of just to think about my own journey you know i studied I, I did an arts degree before I did ecology I, and I wanted to be a great white shark researcher and I discovered soil. You know, I, I did composting and avocados and, you know, all sorts of different things. But, you know, I didn't find out until I was 32 that I, what I did even had a name. Like, so I think <laughs> Stephen's saying I'm old in my 50s and I'm still like that. You know, I think some personalities sure. have so many, so many passions and it's just to, I guess, not to make wrong the passion or... The distraction. Yeah. There's always doesn't yeah. there. <laughs> you shared a story with me, Julie, um, about like an early sort of aha moment that your family had. Do you mind sharing that? Because that was amazing. Sure. Um, again, with holistic management, we're we're taught to to monitor and uh, you know pay attention to the weak link and 
do do these sorts of things and and that's very empowering when you see it on paper and conferences are really fun to chat with other people about these concepts you're learning and we were at a conference and my dad who is um just a go-getter full of life and spirit and excitement about new things he was very excited about holistic management and this concept of monitoring so that you could see the results and um he came up to a gentleman and I wish I could remember his name, I can't, but he was very well known in, in the world of cattle. And dad came up to him and, and said to him, so I'm gonna say Bob because I don't remember his name. So Bob, tell me, what do you monitor? Like, you know, he wanted to hear so many, you know, cattle per acre, so much plants per square foot and Bob looked him right in the face and said, I just, I just make sure my people are happy. My family's happy. And that was a huge aha moment for me to witness my dad witness that or hear that because I know that really surprised him because we were kind of new at the game of the importance of keeping family happy and relationships healthy and communication open. And, um, and that, that to me is one of the, the, the hardest things and one of the strengths of what we're doing here um, on the ranch and what everybody's doing, we're all, we're all in relationships. Um, it may be a little trickier when, you're, when you have a lot of balls in the air, but um, that's something we work at a lot. And if we don't have happy people, then we don't, it doesn't really matter what you're growing on your land or how good your grass is, if, if you've got, um, hardships in that regard and and so that that brings me to another point and I would love Megan to also talk about her experience with this is that as adults we are mentoring and that's one of the things that we're really working on here at the James Ranch is how are we mentoring healthy agriculturally healthy agricultural practices healthy family relations and we've made some big, like my brother's dairy, he only seasonally milks and so that he can have a break and the cows can have a break. And that's a healthy life choice, but very much away from the, the industry. And um, so John and I, my husband and I, we talk a lot about how are we mentoring a happy lifestyle so that our children would want to come back? Because I don't think kids want to come back to a household where it's no fun and the people aren't happy. So that goes back to that happy piece. So if we want to encourage children to be who they are and also go out into the world, but yet also stay in the industry that you've mentored for them, uh, we've got to work on relationships and building people up and that kind of thing. But what did you, what, what about you, Megan? Yeah, I think, I think that mentor piece, that's, that's the key. And I, um, I'm, I've always been a firm believer. Uh, I think it's the way my mother raised me. Um, my dad was just sort of along for the ride, I think for most of this part, but, you know, having, for Malloy, having many strong women to turn to, uh, cause I just, I think 
sorry guys. <laughs> but I just, I think we sure do have something special about um, the way we see things and the way we see the land, uh, the landscape, uh, and the landscape can be in our own household. I just think we have just this different uh, nurturing mentor sort of twist, I, I guess. Um, and I think as far, you know, for Liam, what we really try to do is, you know, really make sure that he's connecting in a way that's that's a little bit different, I think, for boys um, or hard at first. And I think he's really starting to get that. Um, he is very into uh, motocross. And so he would like to see the whole ranch turned into a motocross track. <laughs> So what he can't understand um, where what he's fighting with right now, and we have a lot of conversations about grass and soil and what it does and what we're doing. And, and so he's really starting to come into that. And, you know, he's really starting to get into the, you know, the driving of everything um, and, and mechanicking and those sorts of things. And, and I think nurturing that is much different than, um, or mentoring that much different than how, how Malloy has sort of taken a different sort of um, way. But again, yeah, those relationships are huge. We have dinner every Sunday with, with their grandparents. Um, we're at the table and we're having lots of conversations about what the ranch looked like when Pete's dad grew up here and what they used to do and, and really involving. So the kids know those stories. And so I think those relationships are really key and their mentoring looks different they get different advice from them than they do from us. And then we all come back together. And um, so I think, I think you bring up that, that that's just a huge puzzle piece um, in making sure that they, you know, are bumping into the same people we are. I tend to treat my kids as small adults. I mean, they have boundaries because I know they're still kids, but they have conversations with, you know, people that come over here all the time. Um, just like we would, and they're at the kitchen table, which brings me back to, you know, your ego piece that you talked about, and um, everybody's at the kitchen table, that's, that's where the magic happens, and where those conversations happen, and that mentoring, and in different directions, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, you know, I, we, so we've been raising three boys, I don't have a girl, and it is, incredible to realize that we all have a little bit of everything in us and some of us have stronger um you know are, are focused more on on things that are typical boy and i'm so grateful for that because i don't like doing some of that stuff and i love that they do and they get empowered by it and so it is so much fun to just see what makes us all happy and then give each other the reins to go that direction and, and again empower empower ourselves it, it be, so that you feel like this day was worthy for me because i made a difference i made a difference for everybody around me i made a difference for my animals i made my animals happy today i made our customers uh happy it's it's been um it's really, really fun to see how it's all just one big, good circle. <laughs> and I know that's what holistic management teaches and that's what we all, that's probably a lot of our 
our spiritual um, thoughts rest on that kind of a concept. And it's really fun to witness it all the way to the customer in our little market, in our grill, they get it. And it's just soul filling to witness that. And the kids are witnessing it too. And so very empowering. It's, yeah. it's really interesting because I, I meet some regenerative holistic ranchers and talk with their kids. And I've heard quite a few times their kids talking about there was a time before holistic regenerative and a time after in terms of that shift in mindset shifts stress. It shifts how the world can occur to us. We can shift from thinking, hey, this is a big problem or what do I need to spray or kill today to, oh, this is interesting. What do you, what do you think about this? And we become much more, I guess, um, solution driven as opposed to, or indicator driven as opposed to, you know, just, just dealing with that crisis and being reactive. And I think that has an impact on on those children in a big way. Do you think that, that you see that? Yeah, that is such a good point, Nicole, because um, relationship building is really not just in, with people, but with nature. And so when you are being taught to pay attention and you come across something that's a crisis or uh, something that's, that's made majorly wrong, instead of thinking that we'll just kill it or, um, I don't know, use synthetic something to fix the problem. Um, that's when you look deeper and say, what relationship is broken here that is affecting this problem? And then of course, that's a long-term solution. And again, when any of us witness that, whether you're eight or 88, again, that's a day worth lived is figuring that out in, in you know, so. That's good stuff. What do you think, yeah. Megan? Do you see that? Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think what's so, what I love about this uh, holistic and regenerative movement uh, is that it is, it just moves into everything. Um, I've seen holistic thinking move into corporations and, um, and, and, and private business spaces and, and how they adapt, they observe and adapt and don't just attack a problem. And I think that that is, I love teaching my kids that, like how to, how to dissect a, an issue and just get right down to the bottom of it. And, and what, what is that looking like for them? So do you guys, do what you would that look like for both of you? Like, what are the ways that, um, do we do that by modeling or is it something we have a conversation with? What are the different ways that we build that in our? Well, I think for me, when I really think about, and I, I know you brought it up at the top of the call. Um, so Malloy had um, a project and, and she was presenting it to an adult and it was the, she was talking about soil health and she was gonna get a ribbon for this project. And uh, this person, to no fault of their own, we, most of us grew up this way. We're conditioned um, industrially and that's, that's just the way it was. So uh, it was a really good lesson for Malloy because she ended up getting a red ribbon. And I think that 
when she came back and, she, and I make her sound like she cries all the time. She really doesn't. <laughs> came back and she was crying and she was super upset. But I said, okay, well, how are you going to handle that? What happens next? You know, oh, well, well, I don't know. Well, what could I do? I'm like, well, what could you do? Well, I could maybe explain it better. I said, yeah. I said, let's not just focus on you got a red ribbon. Let's focus on how to make a stronger argument or how to explain that better, how to teach others, how to, I said, Malloy, we, we are not the majority yet, but we will be. I'm hoping by the time, you know, if you decide to come back to the ranch and, and you're, and you're running things, this will be your normal. But until then, we have to be very patient with people and, and look at things on, you know, how can, how can I explain that? Or it's okay to be responsible, you know, and, and, and have fun with that and innovate a different way to approach that problem. And think of it as an opportunity and not a barrier. Good advice for everything and everybody. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I, I totally agree with all of that. Talking it out is huge. It takes energy and, and, and uh, patience to talk it out. And I, I think that that's one of the things that uh, my parents had to learn because we have a lot of family meetings and it's exhausting sometimes, especially if you're talking about, it's, you know, the, the fencing issues or the, you know, how are we gonna get water to this field? Is that, those, those kind of questions are actually the easy ones. It's the, it's the um, you know, I've got a son that's feeling alienated from the family we got to figure this out or something you know something that's kind of hard and um taking that time to focus and make that the priority is um i think one of the biggest challenges and i think our culture is figuring that out more across the board too the tolerance and and the importance of forgiveness and all those things that are you know harder stuff yeah I had a question, but now I've forgotten it. I think it was something <laughs> like, um, what, do we, what do we do if, um, if uh, you know, this all sounds so rosy and yeah. cheery and, and easy, which we know it's not. Um, how, how do we deal with the, the child that doesn't seem to be responsive and isn't, mm. isn't getting it and they're rebellious and they're, Mm -hmm. angry and um yeah. I don't know if if Megan if you have any thoughts on that um from your perspective I've got a few I, thoughts I can <laughs> certainly relate because um I don't like talking about him behind his back but my son was certainly very rebellious and very um he just wanted he just was walking to the beat of his own drum and I think um I I kind of thought, oh, I'm just gonna support him in whichever direction he goes, that's where he goes. And I thought he would never come back to farming because um, my ex-husband wasn't great. He had PTSD and um, you know it was intense being on the farm because whatever you're gonna do was gonna be wrong and you're probably gonna be yelled at because he was very concerned that someone might die. I mean, that was the PTSD structure. And so um, it's been amazing to me that he ended up, he got a scholarship but ended up doing viticulture for a year 
he went fencing for a year and he just sent me a picture where he's working on a farm at the moment and 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 loving it because he's he's so physical and I think he's so different from me in terms of like I just want to read books and but he needs to move you know and I think Megan you can relate to this you know just needing to move and it was I just needed to give him that access and I think having his own chickens made quite a difference like he had something that was his responsibility and maybe chickens were a little bit like him you know like <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it's um it's been an eternal surprise to me that actually he's wanted to be involved in agriculture I really thought he was gonna head off to the city and um and I think it's just we I, I create that space and if they choose to return, they do, and don't, not to have that expectation that that they will. But I think if it's creative and we can keep it fun, um, but yeah, Megan, you 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 guys keep it fun. You know, I spend a lot of time in people's houses. I get to see <laughs> I get to see what happens in some family dynamics, and I think it's extraordinary how your kids really have ownership of what they're up to. You know, yeah. that ownership of moving the water or their worms or the the sheep, I mean, Malloy is, they're both gonna just fly with whatever they choose to do. But I think um, it's not like a, a chore where this is, like it doesn't relate to their lives. It really does relate to their lives. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, I'm gonna try and keep my video on. I was gonna say, yeah, I think that buffer in that space, like you said, like that was, I think that is the secret sauce because when I was stalking Julie on the internet and I read her bio, <laughs> that's what her parents said to her is, you know, and we talked about this, right, Julie, you know, yeah. you can always come back. And it was like, okay, did that take the pressure off? Did that make it more fun? Did that, you felt like you could go and, and do, I, I don't know, like what, how was that for you when, when they were telling you that? Cause I feel like that that is a key, you know, that space, that buffer and that sentence. <laughs> I think, thank you for remembering that because what you just described is exactly what it was. It, there was, they, they gave me, they empowered me. They empowered my, my decision-making, my direction. And if it was just going to be in the city and never come back to the ranch, that was my choice, but they just, having them say, you can always come back, did give me wings. And then at once I left, I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta go back. That place is amazing and beautiful. And I wanna raise my kids on that piece of property. And, uh, and again, that's, that's getting ego out of the way. Um, and fear, what about fear, you guys? Fear's huge. And I think some of these uh, ranching and farming families, uh, maybe there's a fear with the parents that they're gonna get stuck and their, their children aren't gonna come back and what are they gonna do? Mm -hmm. um, and so I can see why there is a, a sense of fear um, letting the kids go and uh, hoping, that, hoping that it'll work out, mm -hmm. but it, it usually does. Mm -hmm. uh, in all of our lives, I think we've had that example when we when we're honest about it. I think what I'm hearing from both of you is just, there's a lot of communication that goes on. Like you're, big, you're both big communicators and obviously the family is too. And where I see big breakdowns in succession or kids not returning or parents not wanting to let go of the reins is there's just been a total breakdown in communication. And it's like, was there, 
never good communication or have we just allowed things to spiral out of control? And I think so much can be resolved and feel like you're having your needs met or you're being listened to. Um, and Megan, you're, you're great at listening to your, your kids. And I think often that generation isn't listened to. Um, mm -hmm. And then that can be part of how do we empower or enable those kids, you know? And, and mm -hmm. look, work it out, like work out what the answer is. I'm not gonna tell, I'm not gonna give it to you, but you are listening. <laughs> You're on mute, darling. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, well, cause it's always, right? Isn't it much more, it's just so much fun to listen to what they come up with. Mm. And a lot of the time you're like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> I know. They have a different perspective. That was they awesome. They see it different. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah often. Um, oh, there was something else. Dang it. I get distracted by by hearing all these good things. Um, listening. Well, it's, it's a good sign because it means you're separating the ego right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, I often tell this story and I'll tell it again. It's not very long, but I was taking my son to kindergarten and um, there was mist coming out of the mountains. Have I told you this one, Megan? No. Uh -uh. There's mist coming out of the hills. We lived in this area with dense bush and um, he was like, what's that? And I was ready with, oh, well, it's, you know, the inverse layer and there's transpiration and, the, you know, like I was all ready with that. And then finally I said to him, oh, I wonder. And... He's, he says, it's dragon smoke. And I'm like, yeah, that's so much better than the answer I had. And, and how often I was ready to just tell him this is the world when who says, you know? And I think it's so easy to crush that creativity. And that's kind of what schools do a little bit. And I think you are homeschooling, are you not? Um, no, there's, they're just going to a little country school up the road. So we, we haven't missed a beat with school. But I think there are only three people in Malloy's eighth grade class. Yes. They get a lot of time to, uh, you know, do a, a lot of bantering and uh, different things with that teacher in there, which I think is, has been really good because they've actually got some space to, to say things out loud where, you know, a lot of times when there's a lot of kids in a classroom, it's like, oh, I'm going to hide in the back. So yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, ladies, another thing that I wanted to bring up that um, I try to focus on a lot is gratitude. Mm -hmm. Because when we focus on the gains of the day versus the gaps of the day, yeah. and that to me is another way of saying being grateful for what's going on around you that's so great and positive. Mm -hmm. And we approach our children that way, even though we could be really mad at them about something. But if we, come at them first with the gratitude and the gain that we see and then we one that settles us down yeah. and two they are filled first and then you can say but you know we need to do this better and yeah. this you didn't quite do right or whatever Mm -hmm. um, instead of just and, and boy I am guilty of this when I walk into a room and I see a mess, it's so hard for me to stop and not just explode about the mess yeah. and look look at what is good going on because there's a lot more good than there is the negative. 
And I think that's true of all relationships, but especially children, because if you beat them up too much, they lose their creativity or they lose their inspiration to do who they need to be. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up too. I think a little bit of trust, right? When they yeah. take the Kubota and they rip off the top of the tire tank. Yeah. They got to be able to tell you about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a story about too. We bought, I don't know how many hundreds of pounds of this giant tote of really expensive black sunflower seeds we were feeding our chickens. And we put it into this bay out of the weather. And our son, who was maybe four, just got a new pocket knife. And there's, oh. yeah, you all know where I'm going. And there's a, there's a platform above, the, above that big tote. And all he saw was a target. And he just took that little knife and just threw it down on that tote and slid it all the way down. And all those sunflower seeds go all over the place. And uh, so, you know, those are, those are, that's actually a fun story to be able to recall. But at the time, it was very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can Especially you imagine just the, the yeah. yeah, it was for the pleasure though, that I know, oh. I know. Right. You're he probably more jealous. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Sharp knife, little ranch boy. Too good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and so your youngest son, he's planning on coming back, Julie, or he is already? Um, he's just finishing up school uh, with mm -hmm. a biology major, mm -hmm. and he is going to um, go live in Boston. Well, he's going to come home for the summer mm -hmm. and work on the ranch this summer, which we're really excited about because he's a great, great hand. Mm -hmm. And um, we are really busy in the summer. But then after that, he's going to go to Boston, last I heard anyway and work for an arborist in the big city and have a big city experience, which I'm excited for because everybody should have a big city experience and the East Coast mm -hmm. is a great place to have that experience. Um, all three of the boys talk about coming back and being a part of it. There's so much potential of, of what we've put together here that mm -hmm. I know they all feel welcome and encouraged. Our middle son is just off uh, he's just leaving the 1st of April to a big ranch uh, north of Littleton, Colorado. And he's going to be working with uh, Ryan White of, um, oh, what's his business? It's a monitoring business, and I can't oh. think of the name. And um, they're going to be working on a piece of property, a big, big ranch, uh, using the uh, mob grazing and planned grazing to revitalize that land. And then our eldest son is here. He's on the property and does our pastured pork production. And he's starting a permaculture orchard that he's on fire about. And he quotes, why would I live anywhere else? Yeah, I get that. So we're excited. We're just trying to figure out where he is going to live. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking if you got like little um, domes all over the place to right. for everybody. That's the next thing. We encourage these people to come back, but then we got to find structures for them to live in with plumbing. <laughs> he can build a tiny house. Right. <laughs> yeah. Talked about quite a bit. So yeah, we're, we're on that. That's the next step is that is the practicality of, of having the kids come back. Mm. I don't but know if you feel it. the Mannix brothers up in Helena. Um, 
but three brothers and then all of their children and now their grandchildren. And, and what they talk about is um, when you finish school, you need to go somewhere for five yeah. years before you're allowed to return. And I think what it does is they come back as mechanics or they come back as veterinarian, well, probably not a vet because it takes longer to study, but um, <laughs> you know, they go and see some of the world. And then I think sometimes it's the, the green is grass, you know, the grass is greener or whatever, but you appreciate maybe the home comforts and, and what you have on these ranches. Um, but I think it's a so good thing because you're bringing, you're reintroducing a whole lot of knowledge. You're not just like, yeah. here's my book and that's the only book you need. Yeah. That my parents, that was a requirement. We were not yeah. allowed to go to school in our local college or stay mm. put. We had to go. And wow. yeah, it's very important. I agree with Boom. that. They booted <laughs> us. Yeah. But you could always come back. That's right. <laughs> that. I yeah. think too, that's how you start that, you know, those first degrees of six. That's just like you said, Nicole, it's just going to make everything richer. And someone's going to know somebody that knows somebody else that can get you that. You know, it's a new generation of six degrees. And so to expect them to stay, you're not doing yourself any favors either. Like, go get yeah. some more ideas. <laughs> Beat yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so they come yeah. back. Yeah. And that's also a chance for you to have interns. <laughs> Once your children yeah. leave and you lose some, some of your help, then you can open your doors to teaching somebody else who wants to learn the trade, and um, which is a whole nother ball of wax of, of yeah. how, to, how to incorporate interns onto your ranch. And, but yeah. That's something that you guys have currently got or you've had in the past? We have in the past, we don't have any this year uh, because we have a lot of family here. Yeah. Um, and we've actually hired more permanent um, help with the dairy, but we, we went through the Kivira Coalition NAP mm -hmm. program. My brother and his wife, I think for 10 years, they've had an apprentice through that program. Oh, it's cool. the first year they're taking a break. That's cool. And um, it's been, you know, there's the good, bad and ugly with anything and, and yeah. there's challenges for sure. But it's just that whole part of giving back and mentoring the next generation, having a, a good vetting process of those applications is really important so that. Yeah, it's our first year. We're getting our, she arrives on April 1st. So we're pretty oh, excited. Yeah. With Kivera? Yep. Is it, oh, good. Yep. They and one of the interview job. questions was, uh, hey, you know, we have two small kids. Um, our son Liam will think we ordered him a friend <laughs> so you have to be able to have boundaries <laughs> he'll be there all the time uh wondering what you're up to so it the interview process was fascinating I I couldn't believe how many just um amazing applicants they had it, it just absolutely blew my mind I I just uh, we are if these guys keep going, we're going to be okay. Like yeah. we had 32 people apply to our, wow. our ad or whatever. And it was like, man, there are just some top notch. We're good. This is awesome. So yeah. we're pretty excited, but it's very exciting. And in, in I, and another on that same vein, um, I would say seven or eight years ago, the James ranch was pretty much the only agricultural food production ranch in, the, in our little Animus Valley. And now we have 
five legitimate farmers in the valley and we're moving their product through our little ranch market and that's just our little valley but the surrounding cities are full and they're all young enthusiastic business-minded farmers and they're cranking out the food and it's so exciting you know what's what's cool about that and and what i love about you know this whole regenerative and and working in sync with nature and holistic and all these things we've talked about is a a friend of ours her name is candace but she talked about just one ripple at a time Mm. and i feel like you know your parents that's a ripple then it rippled mm-hmm. to you, now your kids, now your community, mm-hmm. these apprentices, this, you know, just these ripples and we're just gonna keep, it's a slow roll, like when you drop a rock. And when she said that, I was like, gosh, that's it. Yeah. You know, moves in circles, comes out, yeah. like that's, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. And that, yeah. I think, of, I think of your daughter out, like looking for grazing leases for sheep. You know, and, and the inoculation of your community, like Megan's got this great idea with her husband about regeneratively grazing the entire Paradise Valley because you've got a lot of tea landowners and there's a whole lot of grass that's sitting out there. But engaging people that perhaps um, don't think livestock should be on the land or, um, you know, are not using their land necessarily, but the impact that that can have on, you can't even imagine the impact that that yeah. has is happen, happening mm. yeah yeah but it, i think every intern you think of how many people are they communicating with and oh man you know kids at school and yeah my my son actually just got in touch because his his friends have just finished reading my book and i'm like your friends your 19 year old friends are reading books on soil like rocking it <laughs> it's I don't think I would have read a book on soil when I was 19. Um, Maybe if your mom wrote it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, but it's, it's his friends, you know, like, right, right. Is that. But actually, I think that soil is, or, you know, thinking about nutrient density is becoming really cool. Oh, there, who's that? Why? <laughs> We're just talking about you. <laughs> oh, he's going deeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hey, hi, it's Nicole and Julie. Nice to see you, Liam. Yeah. Hello. How are your hi, worms hi. going? How are the worms? Good. Yeah, what have you been feeding them? Uh, off ground and cardboard. Nice, nice. <laughs> have you taken them to market yet to sell them? No, not yet. Not yet. Building up your stock. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that sticker that you guys made. I don't know who designed it, but with the worm holding a cup of tea. Oh yeah, she she grew up on a ranch in Sydney, Montana. And yeah. now she works for a um a semen test vet. <laughs> and she went and got her vet degree and so she draws art on the side. And I was like, that's amazing. Draw that logo. So she drew a little worm logo. I'll send you one, Julie. Thank you. I'd love it. Yeah, you'll love yeah. it. Absolutely gorgeous. I love your idea, Liam, of the of the um, tea bags for people's household plants. Yeah, so great. Thank you. Do it. 
Nicole's yeah. the one who came up with it. Okay, <laughs> good idea, Thank you, Cole. Yeah, way to execute. Doing it. It's just yeah. an, it's, an idea means nothing until someone. <laughs> so you got to get going now, Liam, because other people have just heard your idea. So um, better. I have. It's okay. Okay. Uh oh. Uh oh. No, you're going to do really well. I think you've got a captured audience in uh, in uh, around that. Oh, is there anything you guys would like to say just to wind up? It's us on the hour. Time goes fast. I know. I know. That's, That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, it's it's been awesome. Thanks, Julie. Yeah, I've I've loved it. This is this is the a great topic. Thanks for bringing it up, Nicole. My pleasure. I think it. We talk about nurturing and growing things. We talk about what are we worming our cows with, but we don't talk about what we're worming our kids with. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, but yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you guys both on. Um, and I'm looking forward to coming down and, and, and meeting you in person. Um, Julie? Yes, I can't wait. <laughs> um, so yeah, if, if people did want to get in touch and maybe get a copy of um, Malloy's book or maybe pre-order some of these worm tea bags, then uh, barneycreek.com for... Um, Megan and then the James Ranch for Julie and their extraordinary families. It's just been an absolute pleasure to, to have this conversation with you all. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for making this time. Um, so these conversations do enable us to kind of keep, keep that network, keep that community. And so I really thank you for this very valuable and timely conversation. Um, if you wanna share this with others, these recordings are available. Um, as podcasts under the Grassfed Exchange. So have a look for that. And then hopefully we will see all of you in person in human form um, at the next Grassfed Exchange in 2022. So thank you so much, ladies. And Liam, he's disappeared. He's hiding. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you thanks, all. everybody. Thanks have a great night. Joined. Thanks. Bye. Bye.